Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with others and go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify to give us a rating and review. It will help us get more listeners. Thank you. Previous guests on the show have included Neil Cole, JT Thomas, and Lisa Rodriguez-Watson. Go back and listen to those episodes and more. But today's guest is Carl Medeiros. Carl, his wife, and their three kids lived in Beirut, Lebanon for 12 years. Carl now acts as a catalyst for a number of current movements in the Middle East to promote peacemaking, as well as cultural, political, and religious dialogue leading towards reconciliation. He is the author of several books, including Muslims, Christians, and Jesus, Speaking of Jesus, Adventures in Saying Yes, and Tea with Hezbollah. We have a great conversation about Jesus and how he changes our response to ourselves and the world around us. Enjoy this conversation. Here's Carl. Well, Carl, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You bet. It's great to be here. Yeah. You know, one thing I really love and uh, respect about you is you really make the main thing the main thing. Um, You put Jesus at the center where he belongs and it's about him. Uh, was there a shift in your in your ministry or your life where that became necessary and you realized that oh he is the main thing I need to focus on him alone? Well, that's a that's a soft toss. That's a nice question <laughs> to start off with. I can't mess that one up, can I? <laughs> that's I love it. Yeah, yeah, yes, there is, and you know, and just to be fair, and, I, and I'll try to be, I'll, I'll try not to sound arrogant. I might be arrogant, but I'll, I'll try not to sound <laughs> yeah. arrogant. You know, in my answers, you know, it's not like, wow, I've figured out that Jesus is the main thing, and nobody else has ever figured that out. So that's, you know, that's my first, you know, little addendum or caveat to, you know, not, not letting the listeners think that I think. I'm the only person on the planet that's come up with Jesus being the main thing. Um, I think if you ask any Christian, for sure, anybody that had any kind of a Christian background, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, and if you said, is Jesus the main thing in your religion? They would say, yes, I suppose. I don't know what else they could even say. Um, So with that, I know my personal journey was he wasn't, he he literally wasn't the main thing. Mm, Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, maybe if you'd asked it that way, if you'd said to me, Carl, is Jesus the main thing? I would have said yes, but nobody ever asked it that way. So what yeah. happened in reality, right? The main thing is the Bible, which is mm. a great a great thing, not just not the main thing. Or Paul, also a great yeah. guy, uh, just not the main guy. Or theology, or in my case, missiology, you know, mm. the ology of missions, Um was probably the main thing, uh, you know, church planting and church planting movements and strategy. And I mean, if you actually look at, um, you know, an old mentor of mine now, not here anymore, John Wimber was, was famous for saying, you don't need to ask anybody what their priorities are, their purpose, or their passion, or their vision. You just look at their, their checkbook and their, uh, and their calendar. <laughs> yeah. And from your checkbook and your calendar, then I will tell you what your main thing is. And yeah. my main thing was mission strategy. I love mission strategy. And the thing that shifted it back to Jesus was becoming a missionary. Ironically, I, we were in Beirut, mm. Lebanon, landed there in 1992, my wife and I and two little baby girls. Our third one was born over there. 
and I'm talking to Muslims about my theology and strategy and about Christianity and the church and church plan. And I just, and I wasn't going very well, you know? <laughs> <All right. laughs> as, you, as you might yeah. guess. Like, they're like, yeah, but we're Muslim. Uh, and it turns out no Muslims want to become a Christian. Like I haven't right. met any Muslim ever who wants to switch religions yep. to another religion called Christianity. And frankly, no people, my neighbors here, you know, we live most of the time now in Colorado. My neighbors here also don't want to switch from being whatever they are, which is probably kind of, you know, nothing. Yeah. Uh, religious. They don't want to all of a sudden join the religion of Christianity either. Yeah. So for me, ironically, it was the strategy of it that mm. got me back to Jesus. It was just like, okay, Christianity doesn't work. It has mm. actually has no power. Yeah. Preaching Christianity, preaching missions, you know, being missional, church planting, church planter has no power yeah. and nobody likes it even. Mm. So maybe I had to start saying Jesus more. <laughs> so literally it wasn't a heart. It wasn't a heart thing. It wasn't a yeah. vision. You know, it was just strategy. I actually literally switched words and started saying Jesus a lot. I mean, mm. it's kind of yeah. embarrassing to admit, but that's, <laughs> that's the actual truth. And then, and then my heart caught up to it after a while. So, yeah. you know, I, How's that? Does that make sense? <laughs> that makes a it makes a lot of sense, and you know it is true strategy wise that Jesus is definitely uh, will draw Muslims a lot more than a religion, and will draw anybody a lot more than religion um, and yeah. Jesus centric. Um, you know, I think when you know when we we look at it, we're looking at um, who has the power. I think when. When it's religion, it's more about humans having the power um, over others. When it's Jesus, we actually have to surrender our power right. and start to walk in his ways. Um, and he has the power. Um, and so how do we communicate that and live that out, surrendered life to Jesus? Wow. Uh, yeah, I, the real answer to that is I have no idea. Uh, how do we live a perfectly surrendered life to Jesus? Let me think. Let me think. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, I do know that in the name of Jesus, and when we say, you know, it's interesting, nobody ever closed their prayer in the name of Christianity. Amen. Mm, yeah. You know, sit around dinner table. You don't pray in the name of Christianity. You do play, we do pray in the name of Jesus and praying in the name of the way it's used in the Bible, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus's name, it's not simply, you know, pronouncing the, in English, the word, you know, the letters J-E-S-U-S, that is also his name in English. It's transliterated from Yeshua, you know, yeah. or, or Yesa, if it was probably in Aramaic, to Jesus in English, you know, that, so that's fine. I mean, that is his name. His name is not Christ, by the way. Yeah. Uh, that's his title. And his name's, you know, I mean, he has lots of wonderful titles, but his name is Jesus. So there's something about those letters that, that, that are powerful, but actually, you know, in the name of something means in the history of, mm. in the, in the complexity of, in the, uh, the fullness of all that's that, that name yeah. or that thing stands for. And so I think we often miss that as Westerners, as we read the Bible, the, the, the power and the importance. And you can kind of see it. We sort of get glimpses of it as Westerners, but we don't understand it because in the Middle East, a name, a place name, and a person's name is always descriptive. Yeah. It's way more full than just my name's Carl. Well, you know, Carl doesn't describe anything. Now, if you know me personally, you could describe me, but if you don't, you don't know what Carl means. But Jesus was a powerful name. And so there's power in the letters, J-E-S-U-S, -S, if we're speaking English. There's power in the person, in his life, in his teachings, and in his death and resurrection. And that he's Lord, that he's Savior, and all that. But yeah. I think, again, as if, you know, from my background anyway, as kind of a conservative evangelical, kind of grew up in Pentecostal, and then kind of leaned more charismatic, evangelical, some kind, Bible-believing, Jesus is the guy, person yep. that I have always been. Uh you know, again, we know that we know that everything about Jesus is powerful, but we don't we don't take his life very seriously. Like if somebody says mm -hmm. to me, what's the good news? You know, 20 years ago, I would have went to my evangelism explosion training days and and, you know, gave him five verses and a, and closed in a prayer and asked him to repeat after me, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. Mm -hmm. Or four spiritual laws or the Roman yep. road or something like that, which is all fine. But 
now I'm like to say something like, uh, you know, actually the good news is Matthew 11. I like to do this most with Christians because we yeah. kind of you know the Bible and stuff. And so I'll say Matthew 11 is great news. And then everybody's like, Matthew 11? You know, they don't remember the cross being so early in Matthew. <laughs> they go, no, it's good news. You remember when Jesus said, if you're tired, you can come to him and he'll give you rest? Yeah. Like, Tell me that's not good news. That's yeah. amazing news. I mean, who isn't tired? Especially these days. Everybody, we're all tired. You know, yeah. we're exhausted. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. That's that's amazing. So I think all the teachings of Jesus, are, the, the Beatitudes are good news. Mm. The Sermon on the Mount, the fact that he says in chapter seven, the first verse, do not judge. Yeah. Wow. That's that's not like him shaking his finger at us. That's yeah. him relieving us of a duty that's not ours anyway. Mm. Yeah. And the good news is I, Carl Medeiros, don't have to judge you. Yeah. Isn't that good news? So I think that that all of Jesus's life is good. And so then when you live that out, the surrendering part for me actually kind of ironically hasn't been very mystical. It's mm -hmm. been very practical. It's been learning what Jesus actually said yep. and learning what he did, not what he's doing now. Cause I, that's the Holy spirit stuff. And I get a little lost in that sometimes, but looking at there's four books called Matthew and Mark and Luke and John that says a bunch of stuff. Right, yep. about what Jesus did and said, knowing what that is, and then thinking, how does that actually translate what he did do, what he did say? How does that, because I don't know what WWJD is. I don't know what Jesus would do. Right. I, I, I think I actually can't know that. But I do know what he did do and what he did say. So for me, that's actually freeing when I start to learn that mm. he said, don't worry. Mm. Like yeah. it's a command, but yeah. then I do worry. Yeah. Well, that's probably sin because if I do something the opposite of what Jesus said, that's probably not good. So he said, don't worry. Then I think about that. Okay. So then I think about lilies and the field and birds and cows and land and all that stuff. I think, oh yeah, those are all kind of the things I worry about as stuff. Jesus says, don't do that. So maybe surrendering for me is literally training, retraining my mind not to worry, hmm. which by the way, is really hard. That's really, really hard. You, and you, and you probably worry about not worrying. Am I doing it enough? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. And I have to, I'll say it to people sometimes. They'll be like, I can't believe that you said worrying is a sin because everybody worries. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. proved my point. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Exactly. But isn't it great? We all know it's great when we don't worry. Yeah. We all, we all know it's good when we don't judge. We all know it's good when we don't look at that woman with lust yeah. in our eyes, we know it's good when we don't covet, when we don't steal, when we don't, you know, we know it's good when we actually do the things that Jesus did and said to do. So let's, let's do that. You know, yeah. and life is better actually. Life is a lot better and it's really good. You know, how do we enter into conversations uh, with other people with our eyes on what is good news for the person in front of me? Um, because Jesus has good news. If his whole life is good news, if what he said is good news, then somebody is going through something that Jesus wants to encounter them with, the good news of something. How do we yeah. enter into that? I love that. I think it's being present with the person that you're actually talking to and not come with a, coming with a, pre, a prescriptive you know, plan. Yeah. Uh, which again, my, my only problem with the things that we all use growing up, kind of more, they're more apologetic, you know, type of evangelism isn't that the verses that we used were wrong. They weren't, you know, verses aren't wrong or, or necessarily even that the method was wrong. It's just that it was a one, one size fits all. Mm -hmm. yep. And every person, every seven and a half billion people on the planet is completely unique. Yep. Their life is uniquely their own life and their worries and their problems and their challenges are theirs. Yep. And if we really want Jesus to be actual good news for them, not just if you repent and be saved, you won't go to hell and you go to heaven. That's maybe the esoteric, philosophical, theological good news that might be true. Yep. If, if you knew that, that is actually true. Um, but what's actually good news like right now? Yep. There, you know, I've had people say to me, you know, if God's so good, then then why is there so much suffering in the world? That's a common objection to the existence of God and faith of any kind. And rather than trying to answer that theologically, I ask them some questions. And I think 10 times out of 10, 
you find out that they're going through something really painful mm-hmm. and they don't feel the presence of a good God, it's because their dad just died in a car crash that actually happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if I had said something about the theology of suffering and sin, and, you know, we suffer because of original sin of Adam and Eve and, you know, whatever, they'd be like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but actually they were going through some real life pain right then. And then to that pain, you just say, I'm so sorry. Mm. And um, you don't need to preach. And so I think it's mostly just, it just feels like it's not rocket science. It's not complicated. Yeah. You don't, I mean, I wrote some books about it and there are whole books because the publisher didn't want me to write two sentences. Because really <laughs> the two sentences, you know, two sentences are be nice yeah. and talk about Jesus a lot. And then there you're done. Yeah. But that one, nobody would buy that book. So I wrote 200 pages, you know, so, <laughs> but that's it. It's not rocket science. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty simple. But, you know, so, you know, for the first time when I was starting to engage uh, Arab Muslims, uh, you know, my wife and I lived in, in the Middle East for, for a while, worked with Syrian refugees primarily. Um, you know, when I first started to engage Arab Muslims, I was really wanting to get all the cultural aspects right before I engaged in conversation. And I was afraid that I would have some cultural faux pas. And so I actually came with a lot of fear, you know, and as soon as I sat down and I was with people, I realized, oh, we're all, you know, part of the human race. We're all human and we're all seeking the same thing, basically. And, you know, Jesus is good news for the person I'm talking to. Um, right. And so it wasn't that difficult. Um, and so how do we get over those those fears and phobias of really just engaging and talking to what we would consider maybe the other or different people yeah. than us? A, a few years ago, we, uh, we lived in a cul-de-sac. We've moved since then, but we lived in a cul-de-sac out just south of Denver. And, you know, uh, two Mormon missionaries, you know, you know, they are because they're, yeah. they're riding bicycles and they have white shirts. I mean, it's, you know, and they're wearing a tie. So I see them going door to door in my cul-de-sac and they went, to, they knocked on the door of the people that live straight across from us. And I knew that the lady was home. I don't think her husband was, but, and I saw that she didn't open the door. And then of course they came around to me and, and I ran out to the door and we had a, you know, interesting conversation. But when I asked that lady later, yeah, I saw that. I saw the two guys come to your door and you didn't answer. Why not? She goes, oh. she goes, I don't know anything about Mormonism. I mean, mm. what, would, what would I say? What would I say to them? And I said, I don't get it. I mean, I did get what she was saying, yeah. but I pretended not to get it. And I was like, I don't get it. She goes, well, you know, I mean, what would I talk to them about? I don't even know anything about Mormonism. She said it again. And I go, well, I don't think we're talking about, they might be talking about Mormonism, but yeah. I'm talking about what I know. And so I think it's the same with Muslims. It's the same with atheists. Yep. I have people who say, well, I haven't read Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and all the new atheists. And I don't know Freud and Marx and Nietzsche. So I can't, you know, um, I can't discuss with the atheist on there. And I said, I, and I would say to that, actually, it is good to know. Like I've read the Quran. So mm-hmm. I know what the Quran says. I think it is good to know what the other person is thinking about. And if I spent a lot of time with Mormons, I would get to know yeah. the book of Mormon better and stuff. And I would do that out of respect for them. And I would do that out of, you know, helping my own understanding of what they believe. I think that's actually really healthy to do that, but it shouldn't stop you at all because what you're talking about is what you know. Yeah, They're talking about what they know, like Mormons and Muslims often have scripts kind of in their head. They've been trained apologetically like mm-hmm. a lot of us were. And so let them talk about whatever they want to talk about. I don't, I'm not intimidated by somebody talking about something else that I don't believe yeah. uh, it doesn't bother me. And then I'll talk about what I'll, I even say to people, they'll give a little spiel and I'll go, that's actually really interesting. And you know, it actually reminds me of something that Jesus said. And then I dive into whatever it reminded me that now you have to know some stuff that Jesus said in right. order to be reminded of that. But assuming that most of your listeners, you know, would know some things that Jesus has said, you know, you just dive in and you retell one of the parables. Yeah. It's my favorite go-to, but yep. you can tell anything, anything that like you read the scriptures that morning, maybe, and maybe you read something that was interesting. And, and, you know, by the way, you can kind of cheat. And even if Paul said it, I still say something that Jesus said, because hmm. <laughs> I, I think we know that he's actually the author, right? Yeah. He's called the word of God. Mm-hmm. So all of us inspired by the Holy spirit, Jesus, the father. So even if it's from Philippians, I'll even still say, 
you know, as Jesus said, mm. you know, and then I'll, I'll quote, you know, uh, Philippians chapter two, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So that, that's my thought to that is that I just think we, we have to be well-versed in our own beliefs and our own narrative and our own story and our own relationship with Jesus in order to talk about that. And if we are, we, you know, he's, he profoundly said out of the, out of the fullness of our hearts, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouth speaks. Mm, it, yeah. it does speak whatever is in my heart. So I live in Denver. So I'm obviously a Denver Broncos fan as is God. And so I talk about the Denver Broncos a lot. Wait, I don't know. Is that right? I don't, know. That, that's I don't not think right? that's right. I don't no, think that's, that's right. right. I think God's a, yeah. <laughs> so I forgot, I forgot where you're at. I yeah. Mean, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm in Kansas city. I don't think anybody in Kansas city would think that God is a, a Broncos fan. Really? I mean, why are, why are sunsets orange? I mean, come on. <laughs> but see what happens is whatever. I mean, hopefully I've talked about my wife in wonderful ways. Cause my wife's in my heart, my three kids, I love them They're. I mean, I talk, I yeah. brag about that. That's because they're in my heart. I don't have to think of them in my, they just are. And so whatever is in there does come out. So if Jesus is in there as much as, as much as he is in me, he does come out. Yeah. And if it's not coming out naturally, then I think work harder at getting more of him in there. Mm. I think that's it. So how, how does it actually play out within community that we start to look like Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of talk, especially in the West, we're very individualistic, but you lived in a, uh, a communal culture for a long time. Um, and we've seen people working together um, as, you know, and Jesus lived in one of those cultures that wasn't individualistic. What does it look like for us to embody Jesus as community? Yeah, I think in the West, it is more difficult. In, in the Middle East, again, the idea of church planting was almost redundant because as people there came to know Jesus personally in real ways, they already had community they had their yeah. family their networks and it was so natural and then you know just gathering them around the life and teachings of jesus and, and some worship and and all the things that we would call church uh was actually easier um here in the west what we've unfortunately called church is you know going to a building at 10 o'clock on sunday morning <laughs> yeah. with a bunch of random people who we don't know and and not to rip on that because god you know it turns out god uses that too you know mm -hmm. because he's god I don't, I don't think there's very much particularly scriptural about what we mostly see as, as Sunday morning at 10 o'clock church, although some have done a good job at making it that way. And then from that center, you know, having small groups and real community outside. But I just think, you know, in the West, we just have to work harder at that part. And we, yeah. and we need to live it out intentionally with community. It's our neighbors, it's our uh, friends and family. I don't know if there's, I mean, people have written books or experts kind of on, you know, kind of missional lifestyle and stuff, but I'm really not. Um, to me, for my wife and I, it always seems obvious. We just have a lot of people over for dinner. Mm -hmm. We mix, we always mix believers and unbelievers together on purpose. We treat everybody like they know Jesus. We open in prayer. We talk about God and about faith openly. And we, we kind of, it's the, it's called in sales, it's called the presumptive close. Mm. Like you you just assume that the person wants that thing that you're selling. Yeah. In this case, we're not selling anything, but we're just, we're just talking about the love of our life. Like you would do with anything that you love or anyone yeah. that you love. And we do it without embarrassment, but also not with a, an edge to it, not with an evangelistic hook on it. We're not trying to reel anybody in. We're just saying things normally and naturally, like we talk about anybody. And I think that community then forms around, yeah. uh, you know, the, God himself is communal and how he relates and the father, son, and spirit, by definition, there's community there. So I think just community, I think community happens way more naturally than we have given it credit for, but mm -hmm. in church planting in the West, we've, we've forced it by a building and then inviting people into it. And then we're always trying to figure out how do we make those people get along with each other and like each other, which we, as, as we know, doesn't usually work. So yeah. anyway, yeah, Big one point. of my friends says that there there are churches all over the world. They just don't know Jesus yet. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, there's just groups of people that are together in community, um, and they just need to be introduced to Jesus. And yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I would also say there are Christian churches that meet every Sunday that also don't know Jesus yet. You yeah. know, and they also <laughs> need to know Jesus. And 
I don't, I don't say that with arrogance because I think I've been one of those people mm -hmm. most of my life who also missed, really missed the main plain obvious thing right, right there for me, Jesus. I missed him and still miss him, by the yeah. way. I still miss him. I get off on my own tangents and it's yeah. unfortunate when I do that. And I'm trying to, trying to learn. I think maybe by the time I die, I'll have a few things figured out. <laughs> So what's Jesus been teaching you lately? If you're continually learning, uh, what is yeah. he teaching you lately? Uh, you know, it's funny. It's, I'm glad you asked that. And it's it's probably why I thought of this verse earlier, the do not judge verse, because it's been on my mind. And I've been, I've been a judgmental, you know, SOB most of my life, but I do it I do it kind of cleverly because I'm kind of funny and I'm pretty relational. So I, you know, slap a big judgment on you and then kind of make a joke and laugh and then yeah. say something funny about myself and everybody's like, ha, ah. but actually I just like totally, you know, mm. judged you and ripped you apart. And, you know, the rest of that verse says, uh, and I think this part of Jesus's reasoning for say it, saying it is, you know, do not judge because in the way you judge, you will be judged. Mm. And I don't think that's talking about, I mean, it could be talking about eternity, but I think it's just talking about, it's like karma yeah. or reaping and sowing. It's yeah. just like the law of gravity. If you judge people, they will judge you back. Yeah. And the most, the more I have judged people throughout my life, the more I have been judged. So even these days mm -hmm. I'm, I'm under judgment from some Christian brothers and sisters who are yeah. you know, mad at me about some stuff and, and I'm experiencing judgment back. And, and I really feel like God very lovingly, not, you know, not at all like Carl, I told you, don't do that. But it's more like, come here, you know, and he gives me a side hug and just kind of snuggles me up real close to him and says, you know, don't, don't do that. It's not good for you. When you judge people, it's really not good for you. It doesn't help them either, but yeah. mostly it's not good for you. Mm. And so I'm learning, how do you let that go? And how, because what I want to say is, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I get that God, but I mean, did you see what they did? I mean, it's just, it's not right. It's obviously not right. So, I mean, who's going to, and then of course God says, you know, that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. Your, your life, your calling is to love people. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't love the sinner and hate the sin. We just love the sinner. Yeah. We don't need to worry about hating somebody else. By the way, hating your sin comes naturally to me. Yeah. I, I'm particularly gifted at hating other people's <laughs> sin. <laughs> I'm not very good at hating my own, but yeah. what if I just hated my own sin and worried about my own heart and then just loved everybody else unconditionally? Mm -hmm. I don't care what they did. Doesn't matter what they did. Was it good or bad or whatever? I'm not the judge. And that is so hard because I'm wired to think critically and to, you know, dive into stuff and, and then it ends up being judgmental. Yeah. And so I think that is actually the big lesson I'm learning these days. I'm 60 years old and you'd think I would have learned it earlier, <laughs> but I'm learning it now. So there you go. Yeah. And it's hard. I don't know. Like we, we look at a place of, of the church when, when, especially when somebody is going outside of the system, what the, what, the system is churning out something. And, you know, for you, you were outside the system talking, talking to Muslims about Jesus and just Jesus right. alone. And the system doesn't like you. And people caught in the system um, right. are starts to be judgmental. And it's hard to not to be judgmental back to the system ah, itself. That's right. Um, yeah. You know, and I love what you said about just loving people unconditionally in the middle of it. But it's a it's a really difficult thing to do. So how do you keep your heart um, pure um, in that space um, yeah. and going back to it? Um, because it's it's difficult. I, I struggle with it as well. So it's it's yeah. a hard thing. I don't. I don't think I do keep my heart pure in that space <laughs> because I'm mad. At, I'm mad at those stupid people. And what's wrong with them? You know, like they could just be more like me. Uh yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I probably don't keep my heart pure in that, and that's yeah. part of what God's teaching me, and that that goes along with the judgment thing. I mean, it's yeah. it's impossible to be pure-hearted when you're judging somebody else. But you're right; the hardest thing to do is when another Christian brother or sister judges me, to not judge them back. Mm. And it's 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 the great you know trick of God amongst many of His sneaky trickinesses. <laughs> um, you know, where He says, "Love your enemies," and then we all think, "Okay, Muslims will." And people like you and I, we've probably got, we've gotten pretty good at that. You know, yeah. I, I love those enemies pretty well. I can't think of a Muslim I don't love actually right now. 
but there are some Christians I don't love. Yeah. You know, and then God's like, aha, gotcha. <laughs> so those people are now your enemies. So mm. what do you do? Because I, I famously say everywhere I go, if those people, whoever those people are, are your enemies, okay, great. Let's just say all Muslims are your enemies. All people of different, you know, orientations, political or, you know, religious or sexual or whatever, they're your enemies. You don't like them. They're mad at you. They're trying to mess up your way of life. They're your enemies. Well, gotcha. Because yeah. Jesus says, you know, what to do with your enemies is actually really clear. It's like one of the most clearest things that Jesus mm -hmm. talks about is what you do with your enemies. But then he, his sneak attack on me and people like us is that if the enemy becomes the church, which sometimes it does, unfortunately, yeah. I don't think it ever means to be, but it does sometimes, then there you go. Same thing. Yeah. Love Love them, bless them, pray for them. You know, all the things that, you know, do not judge them. Uh, Luke 6 says, loan to your enemies without expecting return. Mm. So that's called a gift. So give things to your enemies. And if that's another Christian, another churchman or woman that's been judgmental, judgmental and critical of me, then I know what to do with that mm. enemy. Yeah. Now, do I like that? No. I mean, I, I'd re way rather love a Muslim terrorist with a bomb in his hand. Like mm. he's actually a terrorist <laughs> and he's about to blow something. Yeah. I, I could love him better than I can love a pastor who criticizes me. Mm. That, that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> You're allowed to say whatever you want. That's great. Well, don't say that because I had something to say. I, I mean, the, the Holy point. Spirit is the one to keep you in check. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Okay, good. Good. You're practicing not judging me. That was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's hard. It, it is. I, it's really hard. Like to, you know, I like to call it the trick of God because that just sounds funny. And we, we know that God's probably not actually tricking us, but it yeah. feels like a trick. You know, yeah. it feels like, these, you know, like these gotcha moments when I get good at this thing, but then it comes back at that angle yep. and I have to learn it again because it's about my heart. It's not just about do I love people called Muslims, but I, I don't have to love people called Christians. Well, yeah. no, it's about my heart, not my, in my heart, am I judgmental in general or in mm -hmm. my heart, am I clean and pure and allow God to do that? That's so and good. It turns out I'm a work in progress on yeah. that one. And I think everybody is, I don't think everybody has made it. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a wonderful word. Um, you know, one of the thing, one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible is actually John six forty four. Uh, because it says, Jesus says to his disciples that nobody could come to me unless the Father has sent me, draws them. Um, and it takes a lot of uh, heavy load off of my shoulders. It's not my responsibility to win people to Jesus. Um, the Father is doing the drawing. Um, you know, we had an experience um, with a with our, our friend who was a Syrian that came across the border, was sitting in a room. We gave him a Bible because we shared a Jesus story and he liked it. And about eight months later, we had a we had a gathering, an all-nations gathering in our town. And um, we took Floyd McClung um, with us to, to meet this guy and a couple other people. And it was like this missionary dream team that was going to meet our friends. And we didn't know where he was with Jesus. We talked to him about Jesus and what he was reading, but we didn't know what he was what happened to him. And, uh, you know, we sat down and, and Floyd just wanted to know his story coming th coming over uh, the border. And, you know, our friend Ahmed uh, told a story. His his twin babies uh, died uh, because a bomb from the, the government, a government plane fell on the electric plant next to the hospital while his three month, three week old babies were on ventilators. The power went out. Ventilators went out. He was uh, in the secret place. He was made to torture the people, the rebels that were rising up against the the government that they caught. And so a lot of horrible things. And, you know, he told a story coming across and Floyd said, you know, it's not your fault that this happened. Um, and it's not God's fault either. This is because of human sin that yeah. this happened. And, you know, Ahmed looked at us and he smiled and he said, you're right. It is because of human sin. All of the line of Adam has sinned, but do you know what is good news? So this Muslim man is, is telling us, he's saying, do you know what is good news? And we're like, what? What's good news? And he said, somebody came to die for the sins of the world. Oh, do you know who God sent? <laughs> and we're, we're looking at each other. My wife is translating. She's starting to cry. Um, and 
we said, who did he send? He said, he sent Jesus because Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary. He was not a part of the line of Adam and the only one that could die a sinless death for the, for the redemption of our sins, forgiveness of our sins. And uh, man, he shared the whole story of Jesus's death and resurrection. In the middle of it, he was crowing like a rooster when the when Peter denied Christ. Like he he was into it. We looked at him and we said, Ahmed, you know, we didn't share the death and resurrection of Jesus at this point with him. We said, where did you hear this? He's, you know, is any other people visiting you, telling you stories of Jesus? He said, no, you're the only ones that I talked to about Jesus. He said, where did you hear it? He said, you know, in the Bible you gave me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is all right there. Wow. <laughs> and so we, we sat there and we were like, isn't this amazing that this Muslim man is telling us what's good news? Yeah. And yeah. probably going into that visit, we all had this, this mentality of we're the ones that are going to go in and share good news with this person. Um, but we don't often give that space to see that the Holy Spirit is already at work. Yeah. Do you have any any experiences in your life where you've seen the Father drawing people that was maybe surprising to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, and I would say I have, I've been kind of doing this kind of thing really all my life. And so I have every experience. I have, you know, if you go to that conservative Baptist church and preach, they're like, yeah, it's the the word of God. We just need to give people more Bibles. They yeah. just need, you know, they're, they're, and then you go to the, wilder charismatic versions and there's like dreams and visions we need to pray for dreams and visions and i say yeah the yes bible is yes dreams and visions and then we go to the, the you know the campus crusade type you know ywam om types and they're just you know you got to proclaim and just get out there yes that's true you know and then and it's the holy spirit draws people without our involvement yes and it's all our involvement yes mm -hmm. and you know right i mean that's yeah. that's really the answer because once again it's god and mm -hmm. God does whatever he wants and God uses whatever means possible. I think, I think it's not, as some have said, it's not that Muslims are more open to dreams and visions. I think it's more that, that fewer people have been smart enough to go to the Muslim world. And so God right. in his love for Muslims gives them dreams and visions because yeah. there's no Joshua, there's no Carl, there's no human being there to talk yeah. to him. So God does it. I think that's what it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, gosh, I've, a, a, a funny story. I'll give you yeah. a funny story. It's, a, a, it's a, a short story and it's funny and it kind of answers your question a little bit. Uh, we were we were doing one of those things early on in our early years and living in Beirut, probably 1992 when we first got there. We were going door to door with a group called Every Home for Christ, mm -hmm. and based in Colorado Springs, of course, where you know all, all Christian <laughs> things are. Um, and we were passing out Bibles, New Testaments in Arabic. And literally walk up to a door, knock on the door, you know, there's me and somebody else or whoever. And we went, eventually went actually to every door in the whole country of Lebanon. Mm. It was pretty cool. And gave an Arabic New Testament. We just come out New Testaments. And uh, we'd say this is Injil, you know, the New Testament, the Gospels. And they'd always say thank you. Like literally nobody ever said no, mm. but which is pretty phenomenal. Not yeah. a single person said no. We give it. So I was doing that somebody opened the door it was a lady and then she called her husband and he came up and gave him the bible they took the bible and when he realized what it was he said oh, oh come in come in come in so it was me and a sudanese a man from sudan the two of us we went inside and he said we sat down on the couch they brought out tea and we're talking and he said uh fatima his wife he said tell tell them and and so she told us she said uh i was healed of really serious liver something she had someone with her liver mm -hmm. and she was on dialysis and we're like wow that's awesome how did that happen she said well do you know about robertson i said who you know bat bat robertson <laughs> i said bat pat robertson <laughs> pat robertson 700 and i'm thinking oh no and she said yes we watched we were watching bat robertson on the 700 and he said, somebody out there has, and then he said what I have and touch the TV screen and you'll be healed. And I'm like, no, stop it. And she did. And she was. Wow. So there you go. You know, <laughs> and, and I heard a story once in Southern Lebanon amongst the Shiite Muslims that somebody was watching Benny Hen. 
do an evangelistic thing. And Benny Hinn said something about, you know, can I pray for you right now? And that person, a Muslim, bowed his head, was a guy bowed his head and was healed of something mm. from through the TV, from Benny Hinn, from Pat Robertson, two people who are, you know, I think they're men of God, but they're not on my top 10 list of like yeah. most effective, you know, people in the world. And then once again, God just looks at me and laughs and chuckles and like, Carl, <laughs> Carl, you're so silly. You know, so, so, but things like that happened a lot. We'd show up someplace and somebody had a dream. I mean, three or yeah. four times in my years uh, in du- we lived in Dubai for four years in Beirut for 12 years, at least, at least three times, maybe four or five. I would talk to somebody who had the night before had a dream about Jesus hmm. very specifically the night before, wow. not like recently, but yeah. the night before. And they were just like shocked that I was talking to them. Yeah. And they just wanted to know everything about Jesus right then because mm. they had this dramatic dream about Jesus the night before. So that's mm. cool. And I always tell God, you know, you're free to do that like all the time. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. yeah, which he, appreci- he appreciates that I gave him the freedom to do that. But uh, <laughs> because otherwise it's like hard, the hard work of discipleship and, and just mm. working with people and they don't really want to and they, they want us, they want to keep sinning. They don't really want to follow Jesus. They don't, they want to be a traditional Muslim and not really come right. to faith in Christ. And it's like, and then it's two steps forward and 10 steps backwards. And then, you know, then their son gets saved, but then he does drugs and he leaves the family. And then, you know, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. tiring. That's like it's hard really work. I want, it, I want it to be Acts chapter two every time, you yeah. know, but it turns it's out tough. it's not. So, you know. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. So how do we how do we actually keep keep on rowing in the in the in the middle? Like how do we do that hard work of the middle of discipleship when we're not feeling it and we're frustrated and we want to give up? You know, I guess your questions are really good, by the way. I really appreciate <laughs> I've I've done interviews where people say, So tell me about yourself you know like they don't you can tell they didn't read any of my books they don't don't know who i am and they don't really know what to ask me so i appreciate your questions um my answer to that might be different than some um i think you stop if you're not feeling it i think Mm. what what i was trained to do is persevere and keep going which you know there again there's some part of that that's true and whatever but i i think that's overrated that Mm. you know if you're not if, if you wake up in the morning and you have a fight with your spouse and then you get angry at your kids and you kick the table and then you're supposed to go meet with, uh, you know, Joe Blow for your hour long discipleship time or, you know, mm. Ali Hussein for your hour long and you just, you kind of suck it up and you walk in and you're, then you're all like, hey, you know, praise the Lord and Mr. Public. I think there's a word for that. That's called hypocrisy. Yeah. So I would say stop. Don't do that if you're not feeling it and get your get yourself right with your spouse and with your kids and whoever else you offended and get your heart right with God. Because I find that when I just carry on as Carl, I give that person a lot of Carl, which some things of Carl are good. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I think that we can, you know, if you've known Jesus for a while, you probably have some like yeah. embedded, embedded stuff from God that is good stuff. You give it even out of your flesh. I mean, if I say God loves you, from my flesh. Well, that's still okay. I mean, because God does love, but I just found it doesn't have much power. Like when I'm really, when I'm on with God and when God and I are doing well and Jesus and I are Mm. tight, which happens every once in a while, (laughs) I'm really good. That's because he's really good. I'm just, I'm always the same guy. I'm a knucklehead and I just say stuff and do stuff and and whatever. Uh, But man, when I'm close to when I'm tight with Jesus, things I say and do Mm. resonate. Yeah. They actually have power because yeah. it's Jesus. You know, mm. that in my old old school Pentecostal world, that was called the anointing. You yeah. know, the, uh-huh. the brothers got the anointing. You know, <laughs> I'm anointed. And well, that's actually just means that Jesus is the anointed one. And mm. Jesus is obviously come out coming out of you right now. Yeah. That's really good. And so really the anointing is his, it's not mine, but um, we get confused. So I just say my answer is stop. When mm. you're not feeling it, when it's not, when you're having bad days, bad weeks, bad, it's okay. It's, and if you're a full-time minister person, a preacher, a pastor, a missionary, it's yeah. okay. Take a year off or mm. 10. Mm. I mean, seriously, don't take a day. Yeah. Don't say, I think I need to have a longer quiet time. I'll go for a full hour mm. instead of a half hour today. And that, that will fix you. Mm. Do what you need to get your heart in order. Mm. 
And I say that to myself. Yeah. And I and I do do that now. If I'm not feeling it, I stop. I stop speaking. Hmm. I've yeah. had periods where I've canceled speaking engagements because I don't. I don't want to be a phony. Yeah. You know, and if I'm not feeling it, hmm. it being Jesus. If I'm not feeling Jesus, and we're not doing well together, you know, I'm not doing well. I don't want to preach just from Carl's wisdom. Yeah. Uh, people might be fooled, and they might still think it's good but I know better and <laughs> right. it won't change. It won't change their lives. But yeah. if I'm speaking, if I'm preaching Christ, if I'm speaking him. If I've decided like Paul to know nothing, but mm. Jesus Christ and him crucified, like Paul says in Corinthians, then the power of God comes out of me when I speak. Yeah. And that has effect mm. that moves people and change. And I love it when that happens. Yeah. And I hate it when it's the opposite of that. So I've just learned to stop doing it when it's not, when it's not right. And that's uh, that's so good to to hear. You know, if you're anything like me, I've, I've spent a lot of my life trying to live for God and striving and trying to make everything work. And and when I'm not working, I feel guilty for you know taking a little time off or doing something because I'm not doing the things for God. And yep. you know, there was a point in my life where it shifted from moving from um, doing things for God to actually doing things with God. And that little shift in my life helped me tremendously. Yeah. Uh, did you have a, a time where that happened to you? No, I don't think it was. Definitely wasn't one time. I think it's been a life of me working for God. Yeah. That, you know, leads to burnout. And I don't think I've had any major like actual, actual like, you know, clinical burnout in my life. But I've had lots of times, periods of times where I feel really tired. So I'm not calling it burnout, but I'm calling it really tired because <laughs> that sounds better. Um, you know, or maybe I've had a hundred burnouts. I don't know. But yeah. uh, so I think just through, you know, as you get older, you maybe get a little wiser, a little more mature. And, you, you, and if you're reflective at all, you see results and the results I'm looking for are not, you know, not how many people that lead to Jesus this yeah. month, but how is my marriage? Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. And how is my own heart? And I know when I'm doing well, I have two things, two fruit of the spirit that are really clear. I have joy and peace. Mm. When my heart feels at rest and I don't feel anxious, you know, that's peace. Yeah. And when I feel joyful, I, I'm, I'm normally a, a kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. Mm -hmm. I can be funny. I, I take life lightheartedly and stuff. So that's, that's happiness, which yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. But we know what joy is. Joy is you know, joys that plus, you yeah. know, the Holy Spirit stuff where it's just, and it's very similar to peace. And I know mm -hmm. when I have it and I know when I don't. Yeah. And when I don't, again, I should just stop. Yeah. Stop trying to do God stuff if I don't get, and then work on getting that. And how I work on getting that is usually being quiet mm. and slowing down yep. and taking my wife out for dinner and just doing like the really basic rhythms of life. And then, it, yeah. and then in a day or a week or a month or whatever, it comes back. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's been it for me. I don't think it's been anything specific. It's just been like a lifelong learning what doesn't work mm -hmm. as far as my own heart and what does work as yeah. far as my own heart. And when yeah. my heart is right, what I do actually works really well. And when my heart's not right, what I do doesn't work very well. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I have a couple questions here at the end. Number one, uh, if you go back to your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give? <laughs> uh, it would probably be something like what I just said. Slow mm -hmm. down. You know, I mean, it sounds corny, but slow down, smell the roses. Um, you know, live in a place of peace and joy. Focus more on the fruit of the Spirit rather than the gifts of the Spirit. Again, from mm -hmm. my background, the gifts of the Spirit were everything. Yeah. And we talked about them every other Sunday, but I don't yeah. remember talking about the fruit very much. Mm. And just, you know, the basics of life. I, I would have said, don't don't read so many books on church planning strategy and read more books from mystics, people mm. who are not, I'm not a mystic. Yeah. I don't like having quiet times because I don't like being <laughs> quiet. I yeah. don't want to be alone. I don't want to go sit in a monastery <laughs> on the side of a mountain and pray for a week. I don't like to fast. I'm like a horrible example of all things spiritual. <laughs> and, and so I think I would have learned earlier on that that is a good strategy. It, yeah. it, nothing else like Jesus. It's a good strategy to be deeper spiritually and be more contemplative and to read, you know, basically old dead Catholic people. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good thing for my Protestant overachieving self. Yeah. Uh, so that's I good. think, 
I think I would have, and I'm sure God and people tried to tell me that, but I wasn't listening. <laughs> I didn't start listening to that until about 50 years old. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's great advice. Anything you've been reading or watching lately that you could recommend? The Chosen. Yeah, it's been really good, isn't it? There you go. That's it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, so I read I read all the time, but I, I resisted it so long because everybody told me how to do it. So if everybody told me to do something, I don't want to do it. Yeah. That's one. Yeah, I was yeah. like that too. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, do I really need another cheesy Christian Jesus uh, movie in my life? Yeah. Not a chance. So I'm not watching it. Everybody else has seen it. My wife's watched it twice. I'm like, I, and finally I got COVID. And, uh, and what, a, and, I'm like, I have nothing else to do because I can't even move. So I watched The Chosen and basically just cried through all of it, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that's that's the Jesus I'm following. I can't believe they depicted him that way. Yeah. That's just so awesome. Is it yeah. accurate? Technically, probably not, but I don't even care. Yeah. It's, it captured the heart of it. So I would just say for anybody who hasn't watched it, suck it up. You're probably like me. You don't want to watch <laughs> it because it sounds cheesy, but it's actually, it's yeah. actually really it's good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, the Bible, I don't know if you've ever read that book, but it's, yeah, I yeah, love it's it. Pretty good. It's yeah. pretty, it's big, but it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot. It takes uh, discipline to be able to read it does. that. It does. It does. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah. Could, how can people uh, yeah, be in touch with you, uh, connect with what you are doing or you know, the books you've written? Yeah. 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 I mean, the easiest way is my website. It's my name, Cleverly. You know, I mean, I should name it something cool, like the name of a fruit or something like I was saying about Apple, like apple.com. I don't know if that's taken or not. But, uh, I don't know. I've never heard of it. So maybe. I, don't, I don't think it is. <laughs> I think I might do that. But uh, it's just carlmaderos.com. And then on there is a place that says contact Carl. And weirdly enough, that actually comes to me, like directly to me. Yeah. I think I need to change that and make it go to somebody else. But it comes to me as of now anyway. So now that like probably tens of thousands of people from re- listening to this podcast will start emailing me, I might have to change that. But. So yeah, I'm happy to I'm happy to be in touch with people. Um, and I'm pretty good about that until I get overwhelmed. And then I'm not good at it. But yeah. normally I'm pretty good at that. And, uh, you know, you can... Google me and find all kinds of things to listen to and read and watch and, and some controversy and all kinds of fun stuff. I suppose. So you're free to do that as well. That's great. Well, Carl, it was a, a privilege to to be able to sit and chat with you. I really loved it. I love your heart for Jesus that, uh, that he's working on your inner life and your inner life is the thing that, that produces the fruit of the spirit. Um, and so thank you for that. It was really, really good. I appreciate yeah, it. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, It really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.